1: Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 59 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I am your host, Christian Piles, joined, plot twist, no Willie, joined by Kyle Brackey. What's going on, Christian? Not a lot, man. How are you
0: doing? I'm doing good. Happy to be on. Willie's uh, traveling to Brazil right now.
1: Yeah, Willie is on his way. Willie took I guess the worst uh, flight available because he left <laughs> yesterday at about four and it's gonna take him about an entire day to get to Brazil which yep. I I realize is on a different continent but I I still believe it's kind of close-ish that you know a couple flights can knock it out but Willie is uh as he often does taking the road or, or plane less traveled so he'll be getting to Brazil sometime today and Obviously is not available, but Bracky, um, our native West Virginian, which is almost <laughs> as cool as being from Virginia, has uh, agreed to step on. So, so thanks for doing that, Bracky. Of course. Yeah. Thanks so, for having me. No doubt about it. Um. So, so it's like, where do we begin, man? This is a pretty, pretty juicy kind of weekend. Uh, a lot of stuff going on, but the biggest news, the news that I think is, um, uh, so impactful and so. Topical, Trevell Delagnev is out for the World yep. Championships. One of the most consistent performers, uh, the most consistent performer outside of Jordan Burroughs, is not going to be wrestled, had surgery, and is out. Um, Bracky, what were your thoughts when, when this news came out?
0: Honestly, not too surprising. Um, I, it was pretty evident there at the World Team Trials that something was really bothering Tervel, and, um, you could He was wearing that back wrap. Um, yeah. and then like you, he didn't wrestle at Pan Am's. Um, and this all kind of started back at the world cup, you know, when we didn't see him wrestle against Iran and that last match, you know, they sent Ray out. And, uh, ever since then, it's kind of been something that you could tell has bothered Travell. And of course we weren't sure of the significance of it, but you know, we saw him win at the open, but then in the world team trial finals, you know, he struggled against Ray. It went three matches. And as you said in your article, <clears throat> he seemed very limited and what yeah. he could do. So, I mean, it wasn't too shocking, but obviously very disappointing for Travell, and uh, as you said, one of the most consistent performers we have as a team.
1: I got to say, uh, while everyone knew he was hurt, I, I was shocked. I, I just figured, well, he's made it this far, and, and him not wrestling at Pan Am's didn't... That wasn't anything where I was like, oh, this I'm a little worried, because, I mean, Tony Ramos didn't wrestle... If you have a little nick and bruise, what's the point, especially at, mm-hmm. at heavyweight is such a weak weight at Pan Am's. It's of, right. of no use to Travel to wrestle at that. So I was like, well, yeah, you hold him out, you get him right, so even though, yeah, he was hurt, I thought well he'll he'll find a way, he's found a way all this time, but I guess it's a situation where it's getting worse for him uh to the point that he just he couldn't do it, so he's had the surgery, and I'm you know you know we saw. He sent out a tweet with a message. You know, he's disappointed, but, um, you know, he's hoping he'll be back and better than ever. So we have Zach Ray, who yep. you, you got to feel pretty good. I mean, this is one thing with Team USA, is we have pretty decent depth top to bottom. Um, and to have someone like Zach fill in, nobody's Tervel. And and on a given day, Ter- Tervel's the best guy on the planet, and you can't convince me otherwise. But Ray... Uh, not only is have we seen him have that domestic success, but he's a guy who's wrestled so many international tournaments that's got to serve him well moving forward. And
0: it's funny because they have two of the most contrasting styles. Yeah. You know, Terrell's a heavyweight that shoots a lot, and uh, Ray is incredibly hard to score on and move around the mat. And that's why I think he can be successful um, if I mean, he's so hard to score on. And then if he, with the pushout point, I mean, if he's yeah. able to control the ties and walk guys across the mat and stay smart, um, I mean, if he gets the right draw of Worlds, I mean, he could be dangerous. He's, he's placed at the Alexander Medved a couple times. You know, he's won about a million Pan Am titles. Yeah. Um. So he he's a dangerous guy.
1: Yeah, he he is. He I is. I I agree that I he, agree can, that he do can, some can do some, do some damage. that I come unplug there, Bracky? I can come unplug there, Bracky? I'm hearing, What's that I'm hearing my echo there. There it's gone. There it's gone. No, it's still yeah. there. Am no, I still, still plugged there. in? Am I still plugged in? Yeah. I don't know why I'm hearing myself. But what I was saying about Ray, he he's while he's really defensive, if he when he pulls the trigger, he is so dangerous. I mean, he's he's got some nice attacks, his high singles good, his reattacks are obviously really good and hopefully you know, if he can pull the trigger, get the takedown, um, I, I could see him making a run, but I think you, I think you said it. it. He's a little, he's more draw dependent than Tervelle. You put Tervelle anywhere in the bracket, I feel good at, uh, about him against an Atkul or a Gottsalev or, a, um, whoever, whoever they put out there against him, Shimerov. But with, with Ray, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be, it's going to come down to one or two exchanges. It's come down to him getting a step out point and, um, but, but I think the point here is it, you, you feel good that we've got someone quality. And he's got time to prepare. He's going to be ready to go. And um, all, all in all, it's a disappointment. But I think Tervel, and I don't know this, and I'm planning on speaking with Tervel this week and hopefully have an article with more of his thoughts and about this whole process. But I'm assuming a lot of this tournament is about getting his body right for Rio um, so he can – have a good run and uh potentially make the team there.
0: And I, I think that's what's most important. I mean, you don't want to downplay a world title, but um obviously I think if Tervell would rather have one, it'd be an Olympic gold than a world championship.
1: Yeah, and to, to be honest, an unhealthy version of I don't care how good Tervell is, uh if he can't do Tervell things, if he can't I mean he let's face it, he's Two hundred and sixty, probably pound guy who can move like a like a hundred and fifty pounder. If he doesn't have that, is he even is a world title even in play? Is a world medal in play? Because uh, it was tough for him to just get the bronze. You know, it's hard. I mean, the world is deep at every weight, and heavyweight's no exception. So, I think he's also saying how realistic is that a hobbled version of of myself is going to place? And I think it probably was not very realistic at all. And that takes a big man to be able to admit that. I
0: think a lot of guys just being on a world team wouldn't want to give that spot up. And like you said, no matter how hurt they were, would put themselves out there on the mat. So kind of hats off to per- Tervel there realizing, you know, maybe what was best for the United States team as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. And obviously, uh, we're speculating a little bit on his mindset. Maybe it was just maybe the injury got so worse, it was literally impossible for him to wrestle anymore. Yeah. To so we'll we'll find that out. More to come on that uh, down the line. Um, any other parting thoughts on, on Tervel or do you want to talk a little pound-for-pound pound rankings, Bracky?
0: Uh, just kind of the last thing uh, with Tervel, you know, Hopefully, he said he's hoping to be back better than ever and we hope to see that, um, but the back's kind of, you know, a, a delicate area. Scary. Yeah, so, I mean, just kind of moving forward and see how that plays out.
1: Yeah, and we're assuming it was his back that got operated on. I mean, that's what was injured at the trials, and we haven't, I haven't had that 100% confirmed, but I'm just assuming it was on that back area. Um, yeah. So, yeah, get well soon, Tervel, and um, go Zach Ray. Um, excited to watch him. Moving on, pound-for-pound for, pound for pound rankings came out. Uh, I did these, like, last week, but they kept getting pushed back, and now they're out today. Um Everyone likes to tell me where I got things wrong, Bracky. Uh, I'm sure you're just going to co-sign these and move along, right? <laughs> Not so fast, my friend, as Lee Corso would say. <laughs> Thanks, Lee. Yeah.
0: He, just turned like,
1: he just turned like 80. 80. That guy's yeah. old, although he's had uh, quite a bit of plastic surgery that helps him <laughs> look nice and shiny. But, uh, but, yeah, happy birthday to Lee Corso. Yeah,
0: he's still got uh, the passion and energy. Yes, so. he does. Um, but I, I two things jumped out to me oh, uh, with these initially. And you kind of bring it up in kind of like the description you gave with each ranking. Um, and James Green
1: mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
0: really been coming on lately. You know, he owns the wins over Slater and and then the win over Chimizo as well. And then you look right above him at an Andrew Howe and Reese Humphrey, and I think James Green would slot in there nicely at eight behind David Taylor.
1: Mm. Yeah, I don't hate that. I wouldn't hate that. I feel like, um, I mean, let's remember that he lost to Lavalley at the U.S. Open. He didn't even win the U.S. Open. So it's sure. like he hasn't been, had that sustained domestic stranglehold that Humphrey has. And with How, well, he's, How's a different story because of the weight he's in. So I think Howe's had some better runs. Um, Internationally, I would say though Green is a university silver medal, so I could get behind that. I feel like How has been a more consistent player over time, and for that reason, I kept him above. And he'd always been kind of someone pretty high, and I jumped Green up quite a few spots, so I felt like ten was was pretty fair for him. Uh, but yeah, I could I could see that you're wrong, but I I get where you're coming from. <laughs> Uh, with Green. Yeah, he did beat Chimizo, um, but Chimizo's not a 70. He's, you know, he's a 65. Yeah. And, and so I'm not going to give gonna... that too much love. So 10, I think, is a good spot for Greasy. Um, obviously, I'm a big-time James Green fan, always have been, since well before he's made this run here. So I, I like the guy, but hey, go get a world medal, and then he'll be much higher, obviously. And
0: maybe maybe that's just me, like, kind of, speculating where he's gonna be because I think the James green now is a complete different James green that we saw at the US open um so maybe that's just me like kind of speculating where he's gonna go or where I think he's gonna go yeah he, um, he really
1: has he has made um, tremendous strides and one thing you know and maybe I give him the benefit of the doubt here you wrestled the US Open well that means a couple weeks ago you just wrestled at NCAAs he was just right. getting off that grind. So you can dro- drop a match. And he lost to LaValle, but I'm pretty sure he teched him on the backside as well for third or along the it way. Was a,
0: that was a very controversial match. Like LaValle got points at the end, and it was really close. Um, I remember there was a challenge there. Like time was expiring. So that, that was a very controversial match in his defense.
1: <laughs> right. So maybe, um, you know, the U.S. Open, and definitely uh, that that was found out, the U.S. Open version of green is not the the green we're getting these days. And he has made – such such strides and i think you give a lot of credit to him but you credit that the coaching staff for getting him ready off of you know not getting what he wanted at ncaa's but keeping him focused now he's wrestling in vegas and then so the other one then that uh kind of jumps off
0: the page to me is um tony ramos Shh. i know I you even gonna say that. I, you even said thing tough guy to place um And I don't know how much farther I would put him up, but I would probably put him ahead of Jake Varner.
1: I mean, Kenny, I'm just asking for a little bit, uh, a smidge of an international win that's that's of relevance. I mean, he's dominated. Credit him. He has not lost domestically ever. I give him credit for that, but it's still up. I mean, Ed Ruth has beaten Salas. Jake Varner, say what you want about this current iteration of jake varner but he is the olympic champion he was the world team rep last year in a pretty tough weight he's consistently getting um you know he's losing to snyder but other than that he's equally domestic domestically dominant as, i mean you as tony is
0: you said you wanted a um international win for ramos but where's the one for varner since he won the olympic gold
1: what you're breaking up there bracky i can't hear you what was that um
0: you said he wanted an international win for Ramos, but where's Varner's big international win since he won? No, I'm,
1: I'm being cute. Yeah, you have a good point there. Okay, okay. I'm being cute. <laughs> um, no, no. That, that's probably a little bit fair. So maybe maybe Tony could jump Varner, but I was st- I, I dropped Varner back a pretty high clip off of losing, yeah, yeah. losing to Snyder, and I just felt like uh, maybe that's a fair stopping point. But but if your whole point is where's Varner's elite win, well where's Ramos's at the same time? And Varner has two time World and Olympic medalists, so at least for right now, uh, I'm gonna hold him there. But Tony certainly he can change everything at Vegas. totally right. just he has- like he could have changed everything at Uzbekistan last year. So it's it's uh it'll be on him to to go out and get that done. But I figured and those were the two I actually wavered on. So good on you to kind of point those out because um, I did not talk to you about these. But obviously, we're somewhat on the same page here. But yeah, the rest,
0: those, I feel are—I I mean, spot I don't on, right? Really, yeah. I mean, I don't see anything really to gripe about. I like the Daniel Dennis coming in at number twenty. I like that. Yeah,
1: no issue with him uh, staying behind Coleman, who beat him, or who he beat, I guess you should say. No, I, I see why you did that.
0: Um, and I, I think Daniel's gonna go down to 57. Correct?
1: Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. He Maybe. is. He is confirmed. I actually, someone told me that, not Daniel, but someone who talked to him. So he'll be going down, and obviously we'll be adding to the depth there. Um, speak. This is kind of a little off topic, but did you see Brent Calf up to number two in the world rankings? Yeah. How it's about, about that? He is.
0: I mean, I know we say it every year around this time, but <laughs> this seems like the year Metcalf's going to get
1: that world medal. I know. I get tired <laughs> of saying it. It's But it really, it's it's funny because you say it and you kind of sound like, oh, my gosh, I'm really going to start talking about Brent Calf meddling again at Worlds. But I, I'm going to sound like an apologist, but when you look at his, the, his world tournaments, uh, you know, you draw Mehdi Tagavi in round one. Um, that's a world champion. That's That's – that's a brutal draw and a tough matchup. And then you get hurt. Last year at Worlds, you're not the same guy, and you're right there in the match. You lose. So I, I don't fault him. He's right there. No excuses. Obviously, he's not making an excuse, and he probably doesn't give two craps about about his ranking. But um, yeah, it's good to see, good to see him moving up in the rankings. And uh, yeah, I'm. Hey, I'm gonna say it again. I think he's I think he's got a great shot at meddling, Um, as as do many of our guys. Um, so Penn Live was doing has been doing the series on Penn State, and it was I encourage you to um, check it out. It's I thought it was, the whole series is really good, um, and it was just a series of it was probably just one interview with Cale Sanderson, but released over five different articles, and then one article Cale is is talking about the Nittany Lion. It kind of focused on the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club and and what they're doing there, and he basically says or, or suggests that David Taylor may be considering moving up to 86 kilograms. And I'll read you the quote. Taylor has to decide what he's doing. I'm not so sure we won't be seeing him move up a weight. Um, and the article says to 84 kilograms, but they mean 86 mm-hmm. um, because he is a big kid. He doesn't have trouble, but he's big enough, and it might be better for him in the long run. So for me, for – for Coach Sanderson to come out and say it, uh, I I can't help but feel like that's already decided in a way. I don't think he'd put it out there if it wasn't pretty – he wouldn't put just out there to speculate. Coach Sanderson's um, very smart about what he puts out there and very media savvy. So I I take this as, as Taylor's moving up. What, what was your read on that, Bracky?
0: I would agree with you, and I love it. Um, I think it's great for the United States. I think it's great for David Taylor. He has the frame to put even more size on, as long as he is. Does he?
1: I, all right. I'll give you this. He's tall, and he's got he's got a big back, but he just looks like a guy that may struggle just adding muscle. He's just always had such a, a lanky frame,
0: and maybe he does struggle to add it. He, but he looks like he still has more to kind of put on but like you said maybe he does struggle I know some people do struggle to put that weight on especially when you're trying to put muscle on um, but at least he looks it um, and I, I mean I think he would do great there I, I, what are your thoughts on it
1: I, I I, wonder I, I always have to take a step back with David Taylor because I feel like I always predict a little too pro-Taylor so I always have to like think what originally pops in my head, and then I have to scale back a little bit. Um, and I don't know how, how he would do against a Ruth or a, a Herbert, as good as they've looked. But I, I feel like he could go with those guys, but the size does concern me uh, a great deal. But I, I think about so just the way Herbert attacks in the, with his single legs. And part of me feels like, you know, maybe Taylor can have some success countering. He's such a good scrambler. He's so good in those kind of um, in-between positions um, mm-hmm. th- that I wonder. And you think, I mean, I am not comparing. Let me let me say this clearly. I am not comparing Cale Sanderson to David Taylor. Okay, I'm not. But Cale really c- kind of exposed Jake Herbert in, in 2011. That was four years ago. And Jake is obviously a different guy now. But I can at least wrap my mind around, okay, he's got the guy in his corner who had pretty good success. Now we're talking about one of the greatest wrestlers in American history. But we're talking about a Herbert who theoretically will be leaving his prime at some point. He's 30 years old. Now he looks better than ever. Maybe that, the end of that prime's, three, four years away. But I, I think it's possible. But I'm just excited about a potential Ruth Taylor matchup because that was the talk... Who wins? Who wins in the room? How would this go? How would this match go if, if they wrestled? That was the folk style talk. Now we could maybe get our answer uh, in the freestyle setting.
0: Yeah, that's the dream Penn State fantasy matchup right yeah. there. And I think if they wrestled, there would be about a million points scored because both of those guys are just so wide open. And I feel like <clears throat> would be able to get in on each other and there'd be all kinds of scoring flurries and everything. But like you were kind of saying about the size, if you look at David Taylor and then you look at Jake Herbert, there's quite a bit of size difference there. Herbert yeah. is huge, Large. and even Ruth too. Ruth is a big, um, big there. So that I think would be the biggest challenge there for uh, Taylor. You know- but maybe, maybe this is a project to where, you know, he commits to that weight. And stays there, you know, all the way through the next Olympic cycle. And maybe by then, you know, he's a full-size
1: guy there. Yeah, maybe he can get up to, uh, you know, 200 pounds. One thing, uh, and now that you mention it with with Herbert, big guy, you know, I I was thinking back. Herbert was not always this big nor near this big. I was looking at some old pictures of him. He (laughs) was, I'm not going to say scrawny, but he was compared to what he looks like now, which is like Tarzan, he was was skinny looking at 84 a big kilograms. Difference. I mean, in every – I mean, arms, chest, back, shoulders, legs. I mean, he's just bigger all over. So that's a guy, um, you know, who figured out a way to add muscle to his body. I mean, David Taylor's at Penn State. I think they – that school somewhere they know about adding muscle on guys and, and getting guys a little bit bigger. But I think it's great. You know, we had a couple-year run where 74 kilograms – was just the talk and it's so ridiculously deep and it's so good and now it's okay i feel like that era can kind of it's been established it's a really good weight but it's Burroughs' weight and i think everyone's seen that and i think david taylor is being pragmatic and saying look my path to an olympic gold which has been my goal is not through 74 kilograms that's just not that guy there is, is the best guy on earth, and I've got this date guy that has uh, given me fits too throughout my career. So I think it's it's the smart career decision for Taylor. And what, whether he makes the Olympic team or not, I still think it's his best opportunity. and you go where the, where the opportunity is. So I'm excited about it. it's going to be a new storyline, which I, I just like I like stories. And we've, we've told the 74 kilogram story time and time again. Um and it's still gonna be an amazing weight. as far as I know, Dake's not going anywhere. We know Hal's gonna be there. It's gonna be a great weight, but it's Burroughs weight. And I'm excited for the the new incarnation of eighty six kilograms.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. It's the it's the king it's a king's weight, as you said. Don't don't uh don't come at the king. That's right. Um <clears throat> but uh as you you're kinda of saying there at Penn State they know how to uh get guys bigger. He needs to get on whatever uh plan Zane Rutherford is on. Cause I saw on Twitter last night I'm telling you. He he just crushed a watermelon. No way. Did you see it? He literally bear hugs a watermelon and it just
1: crumbles. Oh wait, here it is on Instagram. All right, we gotta do yeah. something with it. Look at him. This is what yeah. I'm trying Willie Saylor, if you're if you're listening, oh my gosh, he just crushed it with his arm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh! What a man! All right, this is my point. Zane Rutherford. Willie acts like he he weighs 130 pounds, man. Zane is big, and he is gonna do Master. awesome at 149. And yeah. he's gonna be really strong. So I just I just can't get I can't wrap my mind around why he is reluctant to. Willie thinks he knows everyone's weight. He does. He literally thinks they know. I think he gets their uh. What is it, the OPC? What is it called? You know, where you get their daily, uh, you get their weights. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not the case. Uh, and here's the thing. If Penn State does it, then you go along with it. You say, well, this is the right decision. Because they have built that kind of a, a track record with their performance that, you know, David Taylor goes up, he wins. Um, Ed Ruth goes up, he wins. Quentin Wright goes up, he wins. Um, and there's probably other examples. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be fine. It's going to go great. And, um, if you doubt Zane or Jimmy Goulabon for that matter of going up weights, I, I think you're foolish. I think they're going to do outstanding and he's crushing watermelons with his (laughs) arm. I I really want to try that now. Don't you kind of want to try that Bracky? Oh yeah, absolutely. Do you you think you could?
0: I want to try it tonight. Maybe we'll put it up on Flow. Well, there'll be the watermelon challenge now.
1: <laughs> See if anybody can crush a watermelon. Cause it's one of those things. It's like, oh, maybe it's not that hard. But then you think, about it. look how big his hand is. Look at Zane's bare paw wrapped around that watermelon. What a monster!
0: He's got it. Lo- he's got it locked like a gut wrench too. Can you imagine trying to
1: fight off that gut wrench? Oh my gosh! Sound- that sounds awful. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I, I think I think Penn State's gonna do outstanding. Uh, it mar- reminds me of Danny Hodge, man. crushes that apple.
0: Yeah, His I wonder if he can do that too.
1: That's the next challenge, Zane. If you're out there listening, uh, can you do an apple? Maybe do an apple, <laughs> apple for the fans out there. Um, so yeah, Penn State can get guys bigger, and they'll do better. And if that's what Penn State decides to do, it's it's gonna work, Willie. So maybe you don't second guess. The, the Sanderson machine. Um, anything else on the DT move up? I'm excited about it. I co-sign it. We're not breaking a story here. We're not saying for sure. We're talking about something we read, and if it happens, it happens, but we don't know anything for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm all for it, too. I'm with you, Christian. All right, let's do
1: it. Okay, another pretty, pretty big story that came out, I guess it was Friday. Jared Cortez, uh, formerly of the University of Illinois is transferring out uh, from the school. And Jared makes now the second pretty big name to be leaving the school over this offseason. Of course, Nico Reyes um, is headed to northern Colorado, probably already there right now. Now Jared Cortez is transferring out. And so there's a lot of speculation. There's like, I'm I'm getting a lot of what's going on at Illinois. What's going on at Illinois? And I think, you know, attrition is, is natural and th- things don't always work out now two blue chip recruits leaving. Yeah. I'm not saying just pretend nothing's going on, but the writing on the wall for me, and I don't know this to be true is uh, Cortez probably couldn't beat out Zane Richards. Okay. And he wants to start and he probably can't beat out Steven Rodriguez. So he, he wants to wrestle next year and he can't make 25, um, which was what he was originally recruited as he was recruited to be the, the heir apparent, for Jesse Delgado. But if he can't make 25, then he's out of a starting spot. So he's headed somewhere else. Bracky, what was, what was your thoughts when you heard this? I was really
0: surprised. Um, We took a trip out there in February and spent a day with uh, Illinois. We were in the practice room and uh, coach Perry showed us around campus and everything. And um, he was banged up. Then he broke his foot, I believe, and was in a walking boot. But, he was in there, he was doing all kinds of he was doing everything that he could to work out. And, you know, we were we interviewed five or six guys after practice and you know, Coach Perry's like, Oh, make sure you get Cortez too and was really excited and seemed um like he was very excited for him to uh there next year. And so this was really surprising for me to see. He seemed like he was a good fit there and everything, but I think you nailed it. Um he looked big, uh quite good size bigger than uh um, delgado and yeah. as you said i mean richards is a very good guy gave shop a loss last year and um uh, forty one He's probably yeah yeah probably a little too small there for uh... forty one and steven rodriguez has established guy there too so i think you nailed it i think it's just about one to have be, be able to get on the mat
1: yeah so the question is w- Where's he going to go? Where does he fit? Well, like we saw with Stefan Micic, if, if he goes Big Ten, he loses a year. I don't think he wants to do that. It, now, I have no—I I texted a little with Jared, but he, he didn't give me a list. He didn't give me any information on where he's looking. He's just not ready to go there yet. So it's just me speculating on where he could potentially go. Um, and you can't help but wonder— could he follow Reyes to Northern Colorado? Cortez does have Colorado roots. He apparently used to live there. Um, could it be another transfer headed to to Coach Nickerson in Northern Colorado? And Would you like that fit, Bracky?
0: I think it would be a good fit, and I, that's what I saw too. A lot of people, I didn't know that he had Colorado roots, um, but that's what a lot of people were suggesting to us. Another one that I saw thrown around a couple times um, was Wyoming. Um I don't know if you heard that one no um yeah I saw Wyoming thrown around a couple of times and uh with Tyler Cox being gone um Cowboys maybe a little weak there at 25 um so maybe looking for somewhere where he could go in and start right away um yeah, wyoming might be a good fit
1: yeah but he's, but he i mean if he could go 25 he'd go 25 right right I mean yeah that's the thing again he make 25. yeah I don't think so i think I think you're recruiting him as a 33 41 I, mm-hmm. I i was told not from him that he'll never see 25 ever mm-hmm. like that's just not having so he's got to be at 33 um yeah wyoming i could i mean and he could start at 33 for wyoming in my yeah. opinion um i think temp uh, i'm not gonna say i forget who the guy is um but they're they're tough there but not otherworldly and they can maybe use a guy but they're also solid there i'm pretty sure they qualified that way um so it's tough to say with cortez you know is, is you and I going to be in the mix? Maybe. Um, I heard North Carolina, but I don't. I don't see that fit there with Headley and Ward and Henderson. I don't know where he fits there. So that was. Mm-hmm. This is just. Uh, I'm. I'm giving you guys the, the scuttle. the The word we're going around. Nothing's for sure. We don't know anything. Jared will. Um, you know, make his announcement when he's ready to do that. But he's. It's another. And maybe we can skip down here and talk about this. It's another big-name transfer of which we've seen. And I'm trying to think, and maybe it's just in the moment, you always feel like it's the most extreme case. But this year, I I can't recall a season of this many pretty high-impact transfers. I mean, going back to Blaze Butler, who is probably still – well, aside from Meech, it's the biggest one. So you got Grant Lee, Blaze Butler – uh, Nico Reyes, Cortez, JJ Everard, Stefan Michich and I'm probably forgetting some um but yeah big name transfers so you wonder is this a new is this the new reality of division one kids are just gonna um, we're, we're gonna see more transfers like this or is this just an outlier kind of year? I feel
0: like this is just an outlier year um especially with as many big names as we have like you probably have this many transfers in and off season, but not guys that are NCAA qualifiers and round of 12 guys and world team members. Um, so that, that's, I feel like it's an outlier year. What are your thoughts?
1: I don't know. Part of me thinks, is every year going to be like this? No. But maybe it's going to be trending this way. You know, kids are, uh, it's maybe a generational thing. And, and kids are, when, when things, uh, th- th- kids like their mobility. And if they think they can get, to a better situation. But I think in some cases, these are good transfers. Some cases you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. So I'm not, I'm not willing to really put my foot down, but I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing it trend this way, just a little bit more moving forward. And I think it's, um, you know, the, the transfers have been the story more than the coaching changes. There really haven't been many this off season.
0: Yeah. Not many at all. Uh, a lot of guys getting promoted to higher positions. I mean, I, I want the North Carolina situation is definitely the biggest one. Sure. And that's not even. I mean, what's going on there, Christian? Do you know anything?
1: Um, I I don't know anything on an official level, but uh, as we've been saying, we've been maintaining it's. We believe it's going to be Coleman Scott's job. A piece of information I heard this weekend. Um. Is that Bryce Hassiman, a uh, current assistant at Buffalo, is actually going to be named uh, as, in some capacity, a coach at North Carolina. So y- mm. you're reading between the lines. So they're announcing an assistant coach, or not, I don't think they've officially announced anything yet. This is me, sources, et cetera. Hassiman to UNC, well, he's got the Oklahoma State tie. Well, Coleman Scott's a Oklahoma State Cowboy. I'm sure they were there the same time uh, when he was there as a coach. So I believe that that is further evidence with Hassman coming on that Coleman is going to be the guy at North Carolina.
0: I like it. Um, I think Coleman's going to do a great job there. He's a great fit, and I, I agree. I think this is just writing on the wall that it's uh, kind of a formality now.
1: Yeah, I think so. And, uh, yeah, I, I I have no qualms about it. Coleman is a super motivated guy. Obviously, he's making his run at at Rio, and we're we're pretty much assuming he's going down to 57 kilograms. But you know it's only one more year, and that's probably what he's telling himself. Yeah, this is going to be a really hard year trying to make the Olympics. Trying it. It's your first year as a coach. You've got a family, et cetera. But at the same time, it's one year. You're going to hang them up whether you win Olympic gold or, or you don't make the team, and then you're full-focused. He knows what his career is. It's going to be as a coach, and I think it's. I think he's a. It's a great fit, and I think hasseman is a is a good. It is a good person for Coleman to have around, for especially for the year he's about to have. This is a guy with a lot of Division One coaching experience. He knows um, the the ins and outs, and that's someone with experience that that Coleman can kind of lean on when he's. Uh, you know, working towards his on the mat goals. So I think that's a, he's a smart hire. He's going to bring, um, he's going to be a good partner for the upperweights where Coleman is, you know, obviously a lighter guy and Mm -hmm. Neil Ayersman's a middleweight. So you kind of got that light middle upperweight with Hasselman now. So I think it's all in all, it's a good fit. And, um, yeah, we're not breaking, we're not breaking any stories here. We're just keeping you in the loop on what's what's going to be going down here shortly or what we forecast is going to be going down. So be on the lookout for that. And, um, yeah. Excuse <laughs> me, Bracky. A little, a little dust you. down here. Little, Bless you. A little seasonal allergies. We're all good, though. Um, So we kind of – we're skipping around here a little bit um, on yeah. the, the the Division One changes. Shifting gears – we knew, um, I guess, last week or maybe two weeks ago, Iowa wrestling kind of teased the idea of an outdoor wrestling duel. And mm-hmm. so everyone at their football stadium in Kinnick, October – or excuse me, November 14th, I believe, is the date. Um, and so everyone began speculating, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Iowa State, you and I. Are uh, they going to do the Iowa City duels outside against, you know, Coe College? I don't think anyone, I I didn't see anyone where they're like Oklahoma State. Like, I don't think anyone thought that was even a possibility. That would be a pipe dream. I mean, you get right. one of the most storied rivalries in college wrestling outdoors to break the attendance record. It's like, come on, this is too good to be true. This isn't going to happen. But it's happening. What, what were you thinking when, when you heard about this, Kyle? You still there?
0: First thing that came to mind was that it has to be way too cold in Iowa City to do an outdoor duel in November. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, but then I, you know, I saw your article about it, and it said the average temperature there is 51, which surprised me. I thought it would be a lot lower yeah, than that. Yeah, I kind
1: of didn't believe that either. I was like, well, I'll do a little research before I say it's going to be 20 degrees. <laughs> yeah. But it's going to be the evening. <sighs> they're, well,
0: they're wrestling at like 11 a.m.
1: Oh, 11 a.m.?
0: Yeah, and then the football game's at
1: 7. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize it was at 11 a.m. Yeah. We'll still be a little morning chill in the air. But, you know, there's yeah. – I mean, it's it's 2015. There's there's ways you can heat an outdoor area Um, that the guys uh, – you know, get it up to maybe 60 degrees on the mat with some sort of heating technology. I don't know the ins and outs of it. But, you know, it seems like something would be possible. But uh, I think it's just going to be – uh. Just an amazing spectacle. I, I feel like Penn State raised the bar in, in a way I had never seen a wrestling duel done. What they mm-hmm. did at the Bryce Jordan Center against Iowa last year—just uh, that was a spectacle and a, a, just a, a visual masterpiece for a wrestling duel. And I, I love this back-and-forth kind of competition. Like anything you can do, I can do better. And now, they, presumably, Iowa's going to should be able to crush the record because. You know, the, the football stadium, while it holds 70, I mean, 30,000 would break the record. So, yeah, uh, it, it, it's great. But then you think about the wrestling that's going to be going on and it's going to be a, a great duel. And I've been saying repeatedly um, it's Penn State and Oklahoma State and everybody else. Those two are cut above. But this is going to be a, a super close duel and I think uh, a, a number of uh, great matchups. How do you see the duel playing out, Bracky? Well, I was there last
0: year in Stillwater, and the duel kind of got away from Oklahoma State. The, it was, the final was like 30-7 to or something like that, and it could have been worse. Sammy Brooks was winning uh, early in the third and, and tried to throw Nolan Boyd, which he didn't even need to do. Ended up giving up a five-point move and losing, so it could have been even worse. Wow. Um, but I don't think that was indicative of how the teams were last year. It just kind of got out of hand. And I, I saw your predictions on Twitter. You I think you had it seventeen fifteen Oklahoma State.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: there, wa- there. Wa- I didn't uh, disagree with you on any of the match results. Um, but there are a lot of fun matches in there. You know, Clamara and Gilman to start it off. Um, I know Gilman's kind of owned that series. And last year in the duel, I actually, majored him. But that's a match that can be a lot closer.
1: Yeah. Um, I- I think um, last year's duel was uh, Oklahoma State just looked bad. I mean, I'd never yeah. seen them look. I don't know what was going on. Um, but, you know, Alex Derringer, oh, I'm going to say only because our standards for Daringer are so high, majored Patrick Rhodes, who oh, was the, the backup to Nick Moore. Nick Moore, who, who, I don't even think won a, a match NCAAs. at NCAAs. 0-2. 0-2. 0-2 so I don't know what to expect. I'm I'm, part of me thinks it's going to be close, but I wonder, and this is a point that Willie's made in the past, like Oklahoma state, they work their guys into readiness. They don't, they're not um, beating down the doors early. They're not clicking on all cylinders early, but by the time NCAAs rolls around, they're on point. And So you say that, and you think that, and they've been peaking their guys so well at NCAAs. Are they going to be ready, ready, ready to go, clicking on all cylinders by November 14th? And part of me struggles to believe that that's going to be the case, but I don't know. I I agree with you, and this is
0: Iowa's first competition on their schedule, too. And they usually start the season with a very— Light. I mean, I don't want to call it soft, but no, it's, it's not it's good it's soft. Schedule. It's soft. I mean, <clears throat> it's
1: Iowa. You're wrestling. You're wrestling non-division one competition. It's soft competition. I right. mean, there's nothing wrong with they, it. They wrestled the toughest competition ultimately in the Big tens but the beginning of their schedule is soft and probably maybe potentially they, by design. Right. Right. And that's there's the, not the there's bill. nothing wrong with
0: it. I mean, you you want to no no you see you see college football teams do oh, that every year. Gosh, every year. Um. So, and like you said, it's building. It's kind of getting the momentum of the season going, getting uh, your routines and everything, your rhythms down. Um, but looking up the matchups here back again, um, Kalika Sorensen stands out. We saw in freestyle in Akron and uh, Kalika won.
1: Uh, what are your thoughts on folk style? Well, my, my, here's, here's my thoughts. And I just tend to, to pick the matches – uh, oftentimes, just in a vacuum, who do I think's better? Who's better? Um, and I think Colic is better, so I picked him. However, uh, his first time down to weight at one forty nine, mm-hmm. in uh, a wild crowd, and Brandon Sorensen's super good. May- maybe Sorensen gets him. Maybe Sorensen can get him here. But I think uh, over time, I believe Kalika just. He has more offense. I think he's got a greater ability to score, a greater variety of attacks. The mat, I wonder how much of a factor that will become of this. But Kalka was very, man. He was ultimately round of twelve, but he was very up and down last year. He had some kind of head scratching losses. He lost losses. to Mike
0: Kelly at the duel.
1: Right. Right. So he lost to Mike Kelly. So then it's like, man, I don't, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like the two here's. Here's the duel. Do you want to know the duel right now? 49-74. What happens yep. there is yeah. the duel. I promise you. Um, if Oklahoma State gets a split there, I think they'll win. If they go 0-2, which is very reasonable, Alex Meyer has already beaten Kyle Kretschmer, and um, Sorensen beating Colaka is not that much of a reach, then Iowa is back in the driver's seat. And um, I, I think that's what, what this duel is going to come down to. And we're not going to have any idea where these guys are coming into this. We're just going to be guessing. I'm guessing right now. And one a point that was made to me, because as you mentioned, I made those predictions on Twitter. And something that someone said to me is Alex Meyer is not going to sneak up on anybody this year. Nobody was game planning for Alex Meyer last year. Nobody was watching film and breaking down what he did. And so – He beats a Blaze Butler, and he beats a Kyle Crutchmer, but by the time the coaches roll out the tape, they say, this is Iowa's guy, um, it's going to be a different story. I I don't know if that's going to be the case or not, but that is something I really didn't consider truly until that was brought to my attention, and I think it's a fair point. I think people are going to be like, all right, here's what he does. He does this, this, and this. Take this away. Take away his lead hand, et cetera, and uh, you can beat him. I, I don't know if that's what we'll see or not, but I do think that's a possibility.
0: I agree, and just looking at it on paper, I like Crutchmer in that um, he kind of turned the corner there last year in that Matt Brown match and then ever. was just on fire since then, and I think he's just going to build off that momentum. And um, I think he has more offense than Meyer, and he gets to his attacks. And uh, I, I, But like you said, who, who knows where these guys are going to be the first time making weight? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're wrestling outside, and then you're in front of probably 30-plus thousand Hawkeye fans <laughs> yeah, um, that have been tailgating all morning. So, who, I mean, that's a crazy environment, and to have your first match of the year in that is incredible. But hats off to both programs for, for Iowa for coming up with this and Oklahoma State agreeing to take it. Yeah, it's and,
1: kind of crazy. I mm-hmm. mean, and they – And Coach Brand says, you know, John Smith didn't even hesitate. He said, we're in. Which, yeah, you give credit there. You give credit to both teams for doing it. Back to Crutchmer. He's someone I I really liked coming into last year and even caught a little flack from some people for kind of hyping him up for having a good season um, because it wasn't looking good. But I think he just proves that point that Oklahoma State gets their guys ready when it matters most. And I I think in a a vacuum, talent-wise, Crutchmer is just – much more talented than, than Alex Meyer. He's just got a lot more offense, a lot more, uh, just a lot more in general. But Meyer's got that grit. hes I'll never forget his match against Brunson. Oh, my uh, gosh. that was, <laughs> And then the ensuing Mark Perry, Tom Brands shenanigans afterwards. That was a, incredible. That was. Were you there? I was not, no. I not was, that
0: was one of the ones I was watching on Big Ten Network. Too, and then no. it was just, that was insane.
1: That was crazy. That was a truly insane match. So yeah, Alex Myers beating some really good dudes: Butler, Brunson, who I think is a stud, uh, and will probably place this year. He
0: bumped to uh, he bumped to eighty four at National Duels and gave uh, Willie Mickles all he wanted to. Yes,
1: uh, teammates. Uh, yeah, he did. yeah. High school teammates. He gave Miklas a good match there. So yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah. Another possibility with
0: this duel. I saw it on the Iowa message boards, and I think it's a pretty long shot of happening um but minnes- they play Minnesota that night in football, and uh if both teams you know have a really good season up to that point, um there's a possibility college game day could be in town no way really i mean if they if that's i mean that's if everything goes right with their football seasons. Um, I think Minnesota plays like TCU earlier in the year, so maybe they'd have to be undefeated to be there. Is maybe Iowa going to be good? Kinda... Is Iowa uh, gonna they be don't good? have; a, they, they're all right, and they don't have a tough schedule, so that helps. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that it's just it's something that, I mean, it's probably a long shot, but could maybe
1: happen, and that would
0: just be insane.
1: That would be crazy if College Game Day was was on. I feel like that's a, I don't know. I feel like they're they're almost always at like an SEC school. Oh, right. yeah. I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying it's happening. You just but... predicted it. You just said it's <laughs> happening. Stop. Don't backpedal now. You it's put something your... I want to happen. Yeah. That, that would just add to the fiasco. I'm sure um, all parties involved are, are hoping for that. So, yeah. I didn't realize I it was think... going down at 11 in the morning.
0: And I think that William uh, should
1: send you and I. I Yes, obviously. obviously. That's what... <laughs> I'm trying to think what else is going to be going. That's going to be a busy weekend. Um, and probably... <clears throat> i can't remember when the Hokie duel or hokie, hokie duels those don't exist the ho- the hokey <laughs> open um but i think we're gonna be doing that one and i might be might have to go there not have to i would i'd be glad to go <laughs> but he probably won't be able to spare two of us for that but you never know bracky he'll probably send himself oh he better not he better not that that'd be offensive that'd be offensive wait here's hoping we get to go yeah. That I don't want to miss it. But I'll be happy wherever I am because uh, I'm, I'm very thankful to get to do what I do. Bracky, we made it 50 minutes exactly. We barely even talked about Junior Worlds, which start this week. And oh, um, uh, fired up six days of wrestling, starting with Greco tomorrow. And then we got the ladies. And then we're wrapping up with men's freestyle. Um just overarching thoughts about Junior Worlds coming up, Bracky.
0: I'm really excited. I think all the way through the Greco and the women's and the men's, we're going to have a very successful tournament. Um, I like I like our men's freestyle team as the um, team to bring home the most medals. Um, but honestly, looking at our women's team, that's very, very tough too, from top to bottom. A lot of girls with experience, and then you have a couple of Greco guys that and like a John J Chavez you know that are very experienced um, so I think it's gonna be a good week in Brazil What do you think?
1: yeah I'm, I'm excited I I truly uh, last year for for Greco Kuhn was our only medalist uh, taking a bronze and I think I think we can we can surpass that. I think that we've got a good shot with Tuma I really mm-hmm. like Tuma Sam, yeah, hate- Sam stole is uh, a past junior bronze medalist <clears throat> excuse me and uh John J Chavez someone that I think we all realize is is a tremendous talent so I think we've got a lot of opportunity there it, it, the world is tough um, but I, I do like our team and I'm, I'm hopeful they can do it obviously our ladies we've got a couple of hammers there but the men I mean kind of all eyes are on the men's freestyle team where we're sending yeah. Uh, the the talk the immediate comparison for this team was the last year's team and and how it stacks up and uh, as good as this team is I'm not sure it does I really don't think it I don't think it does but I think it has potential to do big things
0: I agree last year's team what six out of seven guys medaled, the one who didn't was Anthony Valencia <laughs>
1: right oh, oh. and uh,
0: Jabari Moody <laughs> right um, right okay so, but he was yeah. fifth
1: he wrestled for a medal right.
0: Um, So it's hard to really live up to that or, you know, surpass that. Um, But by no means is is this team a downgrade from, like, a super downgrade from that. It's maybe just a step behind.
1: It's a step behind. I mean, you you gain a Spencer Lee, which is great, but you lose a Kyle Snyder and you Mm -hmm. lose an Adam Kuhn. And um, I don't think many people are saying this, but in my opinion, Micic is is more of a downgrade from Gilman than maybe people want to realize. I I feel like people don't understand how good Gilman was there last year and how good he looked and how good his competition was. Uh, Micic is going to be a dogfight to medal this year, as was Gilman. As was Gilman. And if, so if you think, okay, Gilman, he, he had some battles to medal, and I think that Micic is a little bit behind him, it's going to be tough. He— for sure can meddle. He for sure he has the goods and Meechich continues to improve. But I think um, that's one weight where we're kind of, we, I think where we believe it's kind of a seamless transition, but I think there's a more of a learning curve than maybe we want to realize. And
0: yeah, like you're saying, I think Gilman in that weight last year with the, it was kind of like you're saying dog fights matched up better. You know, he's an amazing hand fighter and it's just a grinder that's going to be in your face the entire match. Whereas Mitrich is more technical and uh, maybe not – his pace isn't as much. He's maybe not going to wear on these guys as much. Um, so I agree with you there. That Micic that almost
1: wrestles a European style himself. Uh, right. He's very uh, – he, he is darn slick. One of, my, one of my favorite guys to watch. I hope it doesn't sound like I'm coming down on Stefan. Obviously, I'm a huge fan. But I just think Gilman has that junior world experience. Not that – I mean, Micic has made world teams before, but – Gilman was there the year before. He kind of got, he, well, he frankly got screwed. That was in, do you remember this era, Bracky? The go-behind takedown was nothing. Like, yeah, it was basically yeah. like a slip throw. You could take a, the worst shot ever yeah. and give up a go behind. Well, he got screwed on one of those that I forget what at what point in the tournament it was, but it essentially ended his tournament. Um, so, yeah, anyways, Michich can do well. Cassar and Butler are, are real wild cards. To me, I mean, I I like I like them both, but when you compare them to, um, you know, a coon and a Kyle Snyder, it's it's tough to measure up. And yeah. <clears throat> with Gabe Dean, I mean, he was another guy. He was so good last year, and we all love Anthony or Zaheed Valencia, but is he on Gabe Dean's level? I don't. I mean, I don't think so. Not at
0: this point. No, no. I don't think so either.
1: How about Gabe Dean, like never really wrestling international and then just taking junior world bronze? I know. (laughs) It's not even a thing. You know, they say um, I kind of wonder and it was kind of said to me that the whole junior world process kind of wore out Gabe. And by the time he hardly had any time away and then he was back at school and then back training. And like I think that's why we saw Gabe struggle in the year. So it's something to look for with some of these college kids, you know, how does this affect a a Michich? Well he's mm-hmm. not gonna wrestle next year, so that's irrelevant. So uh it may, maybe only Nathan Butler's the guy Butler. affected by this. Yeah. Um so yeah is Casser gonna No he's not gonna no, he won't be in the lineup no. Macintosh will be there. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Great depth there at Penn State. He what a find he was. I mean he was so unheralded as mm-hmm. as I understand and he's gonna fill in Um, great once Macintosh is gone next year so good team I I like I love the the age level tournaments I can't wait for cadets as well so we've got a great team there and then soon it's gonna be like back to back to back I feel like oh yeah it's it's all going down in less than a month I mean what's today today's August 10th Worlds start in like almost exactly a month yeah
0: September 7th I think the first day
1: I don't think that's true is it is that right? <laughs> I thought. I thought it maybe it is. The <laughs> Maybe you're right. I don't know. Um. So, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what what's gonna what's going to come on there. I'm super excited. Super for, for these two these tournaments two coming up. up. Uh, Bracky, we got a couple, got a couple minutes, minutes left. left. What what do what are your thoughts?
0: You wanna you wanna end with a little who's number one talk? We had just had a matchup announced uh, kind of late last week.
1: Yeah, Lee versus Mejia. Yeah. Um, I will, you know. I I, first of all, I'm 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 excited for this matchup, just just to put it out there, and I'm really excited that Spencer Lee is in uh, is in this tournament. But, um, I I think he is going to house Justin Mejia personally. I think I think he could tech or pin him. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, and I think Justin. I just I think that's just all about Lee's. Uh, and how fantastic he is! Maybe I'll be, I'll be proven wrong here, but I think he's gonna, just, I, I think I think he beats it. I think all right. I'll say this: Dayton Fix, I think he beats Dayton soundly in folk style. I'll say that also.
0: Ooh, um, hot take. Hot take. No, I I agree with you on Mejia. I see bonus points. I don't know about attack. I see at least a major. Um, but like you said, it's nothing against Mejia. It's has everything to do with how good Spencer Lee is. Um, and we, the talk just kind of with this matchup, you know, was um, everyone wants to see Lee versus Fix. And as Willie, like, stressed so much on Flow Radio Live the other day, you know, Fix isn't going to be at 120 in season. Um, but then, uh, then you look, who, who else could maybe give Lee a match at 120? Mueller? Well, I mean. No.
1: No. Yeah, there's there's
0: not a right answer here. Right. Um, so, oh, but this is an intriguing matchup. Yeah, I, I like it for uh, because I I saw Mejia against Renteria, um, during the season, and you know the Mejia won the showdown between the Hawkeye commits, um, and he's a real good scrambler, but Lee does a great job of staying out of that, and just staying solid. So.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh. Spencer's just on another level, man. He's so good. Now, we don't know many other matchups. We argued a little about the rules. Tell me, Bracky, tell me you are sane, and you don't think the 38-minute matches are the best way to to end it. You're not going to like my answer because I – turn the clock off.
0: Turn the clock listen, off. listen. <laughs> when, when I was a kid growing up at Tournament Champions in Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, you look – that, was, that used to be the tournament to go to. Like, that, look back Okay, through, Uncle Rico. I'm, no, but listen. They, you turn the clock off, and it's still that way. You turn the clock off, and it was a takedown tournament, so everything was decided on your feet, and I love that. It, okay,
1: I, all right. Okay, here's your point. It's a takedown tournament. A takedown tournament. Folk style, there are three no. positions in folk style wrestling. Why are we ignoring two of them? Can you explain that to me, Uncle Rico?
0: Okay, so let's have this overtime that just confuses everybody. Who's confused about it? Every high school in the country wrestles it, but we're trying to put on a show here. I'm talking about wrestling, like people that don't know wrestling that well. Like they are so confused with the 30 seconds. Okay, whose turn is it now? Okay, they keep wrestling. This time, the other guy's turn.
1: It's the one guy's turn. This is the other guy's turn. It's not that confusing, Bracky. I don't know how you can't say that. You're one setting finish. up a West Virginia joke about what you find confusing, and I'm I'm not going to take the bait, but I, I'm just going to put it out there. You're you're setting yourself up. A 38 minute match is not reasonable. What if what if they all went that? That is going to be 38 minutes, Christian, and you know that. You, you can't prove it. You can't <laughs> prove it. You can't prove it. Kyle Brackey, that was a match you, for the century. me. It took a century. Is that what <laughs> you mean? Yeah, it took a century. I, my, my kid I, I, had three birthdays during that match. I missed them all. <laughs> he, he uh, oh. Bracky. All right. we, we were doing well. We had this good connection. I'm team, I'm team Willie here. Yeah. Okay, Grandpa. All right. Well, you know what? It's 11:01. We went into overtime, um, and I got the takedown before it even got to ride-outs uh, once again. So, thanks so much, Kyle Bracky, for stepping in. Uh, fantastic job, and... Um, We will, I don't know when we'll do this again, Bracky. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know. But if we do it again, I'll make sure you know. And I'll make sure you, the people, know. We thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes. Okay? Five-star ratings as always. And uh, we will see you next time. Thanks a lot, guys.